We, we praise scientists. You know, we hear these stories about these mad scientists, you know, in the lab with their wild hair and, and the white coat, and they're mixing up, you know, potions and formulas, and they're experimenting. They're, they're experimenting. They have an idea of what they're trying to create, but only experience will show them, you know, <clears throat> you know how much value is there. And so for us, that looks like going out getting real life market feedback. You know, if you have an idea, let's just say for an example, uh, you feel like you make the world's best coffee. Well, you know, it might be a good idea to, to go to a couple coffee shops and, and allow the owners and let the customers taste your coffee, you know, and they're gonna let you know if it's worth paying for or if it's not. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. And if you're watching us on video, you're like, wait a minute, um, where's Lacey? Lacey's feeling a little bit under the weather today, but here's one of the things that is super important. No matter what, you have to be resourceful and figure out ways that you can continue the show. And today's guest is super important. We want to make sure that we have this dialogue. And so even though Lacey's under the weather, I'm not. So I'm here with you today. And we're going to be talking uh, to Kamar Zachary. We're going to be talking about the importance of having a niche, the importance of not trying to do all things, not trying to do everything. And we're also going to learn a little, about, a little bit about his story. He has a super compelling story that I know is going to motivate and inspire so many of you that have a dream that are like, yeah, I have this great idea. Well, how are we going to be, how are we going to go from where you are now to the execution of that? All of that and more. Kamar Zachary here on the None of Your Business podcast. Kamar, thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure is all mine, brother. I appreciate you having me. Every single guest, I start with this question. But in your case, this is a very important question. You know, for it doesn't matter who it is that we're talking to. Everybody has a creation story, a journey from where you once were. I mean, unless you were just born wearing a niche or die hat, you have a creation story of how we get here. How do we end up talking to each other? Fill us and our listeners in on your journey to get you to this point. Absolutely. Well, you know, like most people, you know, uh, I had dreams and goals. Uh, it initially started off uh, with wanting to be a professional basketball player. And uh, in, in a sense, you know, I, I chose a niche in terms of sports. I, you know, choosing a niche means saying no to everything else. And so I said, you know, no uh, to, to football. I said no to soccer, I said no to baseball. And I said yes to basketball. And so uh, roughly around the age of 19, uh, that's kind of when I had, I got a wake up call and I realized that my, my basketball career was coming to an end. Uh, and it wasn't because uh, I wanted it to. It's just because, you know, uh, 
the NBA was not looking for my, my lack of talent. And so uh, I, I found entrepreneurship uh, naturally because, you know, like a lot of people, you know, we don't really think about what's next uh, after college. Uh, you've done something for so long, it becomes your identity. You know, I, 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 I identify with basketball, with sports. And there was no backup plan because, you know, I had a little bit of an ego. And so when people would ask me if I had a backup plan, I automatically took it as them telling me that I wasn't good enough for my plan A. And, you know, in some instances, yeah, you're, you're going to have people that that's going to ask for your plan B because they can't see the plan A becoming a reality. And sometimes that, that advice is accurate. And sometimes it's not. And so life will tell you, you know, if they're right or you're wrong. And for me, everyone was right. You know, uh, basketball was definitely over. And because I hadn't thought about anything after college, I didn't really take classes serious. Just to be honest with you, I, I didn't uh, I didn't respect, uh, you know, the professors. Uh, I was a marketing major and I didn't respect the professors. Uh, not that they weren't great people, but they none of them owned the business. None of them were business owners. Um, and, and that's very naive of me to, to, to judge someone like that. But that's just where I was at that time. And so I didn't really take my classes serious. Fast forward, uh, started a lot of different businesses and in industries that had nothing to do with each other. Uh, had an, an apparel business, had a daycare center. Uh, I had a real estate company. Uh, I even had a, a, a small time uh, copywriting company that didn't last too long. I was in the mortgage industry. At one point in time, I was in the network marketing industry. And so, you know, how did I come up with this concept of niche or die? Or some would say niche or die. Um, I realized that my lack of focus was my biggest hurdle. It wasn't the lack of experience. It wasn't the lack of expertise. It wasn't the lack of skill set. It was the lack of focus. Uh, many of us, you know, including you too, uh, you possess certain talents and, and abilities that it, it's a good chance that you're probably not utilizing them. Uh, and, and the best way to start figuring out, you know, how to actually apply those talents and abilities is to figure out who it is that you want to serve. You know, and so, you know, that's that's a roundabout way of of me coming up with this concept of, of niche or die. I, I see a lot of people searching and, you know, they're you know, every week there is a new business opportunity that they want to explore. And it's virtually impossible. We don't we're limited with our time. You know, you, we may have an abundance of ability. But but time is one of those things that we don't really have a say so. There's 24 hours for each of us per day. And in order to be great, to be exceptional, uh, to, to, to be a Dr. Sean deal, uh, in order to, to reach that level, you know, you have to you have to niche. You have to make a decision at, you know, who you're going to serve, who you're going to become and, you know, where you're going to plant your flag. So much to unpack there. I want to go back to this idea of the plan A and the plan B. So would you would you 
tell someone, like, you know, you hear that. I don't know exactly what they say. There's a saying like, you know, we know plan B. Um, would you tell somebody it's important to have a plan B or how, what advice would you give for someone that has, I mean, it, even in the business world, you know, I am going to help um, masons to create online courses on how to build sidewalks and brick walls or do masonry and you look at it and you're like okay well i don't know like if there's much of a market for that you should maybe have a plan b do, what, what do you think about that plan b or no plan b i agree with what you just said if there's a market for it so no matter how passionate i am about you know someone's plan a or plan b the real question is what does the market think so my advice would be test. You know, we, we, we praise scientists. You know, we hear these stories about these mad scientists, you know, in the lab with their wild hair and, and the white coat, and they're mixing up, you know, potions and formulas, and they're experimenting. They're, they're experimenting. They have an idea of what they're trying to create, but only experience will show them, you know, <clears throat> you know how much value is there. And so for us, that looks like going out, getting real life market feedback. You know, if you have an idea, let's just say, for an example, uh, you feel like you make the world's best coffee. Well, you know, it might be a good idea to, to go to a couple coffee shops and, and allow the owners and let the customers taste your coffee, you know, and they're going to let you know if it's worth paying for or if it's not. Or maybe you are good at creating a lifestyle around that coffee. Maybe it's not that the coffee just tastes so, so good. Maybe it's because you have a way of creating an atmosphere that, that allows people uh, to want to spend five, six, ten dollars for coffee. And so it, 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 going back, uh, no, I don't believe you should have a plan B. I think you should just have a plan A. But be flexible enough. Don't don't marry your initial idea of that plan A, because, again, you know, our ideas are like are like babies. And although I don't have I don't have kids of my own, I have a two year old niece and, and I love her to pieces. But that's how we look at our ideas. Sometimes we, we're very emotional and we're attached to them and we feel like it's already the finished product when we when we give birth to that idea. But the, the, the honest truth is that's really just the beginning. We have to allow the market to give us feedback to where we can mold that baby into being something great, something better and something that obviously, you know, uh, the market is, is willing to stand behind and support. I'm going to come up to niche or die right on his ball cap there. If you're watching on video, nicheordie.com that's where you can find out more about kamar i want to give that early on in the show so that you guys can start jumping on that website tons of cool information there i also i still got to go back so i still got a couple things to unpack you are, had success you found some success in the network marketing realm is that correct that is correct and what did you learn from that because that's something that you know it's it when you say that it's like 50-50. Some people are like, ooh, tell me more. And other people are like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned working in that space? People skills. 
that is that is the number that is the, the hands down the the best lesson I got from network marketing is because you know you're you're met in most cases you're met with opposition from the very beginning. No one's excited, <laughs> you know. No one's excited to hear a network marketing opportunity, you know. Uh, no no one is waking up tomorrow morning, jumping out of bed, looking for a network marketing opportunity. A lot of times we call them wounded warriors. A lot of times, you know, some of the greatest successes that I've met personally in network marketing were people who had some level of success in their life. They got a bit of a taste of it. Maybe it was in corporate uh, or maybe they had their own business. And network marketing was the perfect fit that allowed for them to to win again. Uh, But because it's met with so much opposition, people people don't want to risk their reputation uh, because it's frowned upon. And most times, and, you know, in, in this generation, it's, it's a little bit different, but it still has that, you know, it still has that stain. You know, no one no one looks for, you know, back in my day, you know, now everything is online. But back in my day, you, you didn't look at a presentation online. You know, you had to. You know, what I would do is I would go out to the mall because I didn't know anyone. We call it network marketing. Well, I love my friends, but no one in my inner circle uh, were the type of people that I would recruit for a business. And I'm not saying this because I'm judging them. I'm saying this because I tried. (laughs) (laughs) So I tried to I tried to recruit them into my business and I learned real quick about people. And so it forced me, Sean, it forced me to go out uh, to malls, uh, to grocery stores. I was the guy walking around. Uh, I didn't have a shopping cart, so I just looked weird. You know, I'm, this guy is walking around the grocery store for 45 minutes and he doesn't even have a shopping cart. And I would introduce myself to people. And I just had this elevator pitch uh, that I would just walk up to total strangers. And it was very hard. It was very hard. Um, and sometimes I ask myself, why did I even do it? Well, it was because the, the goal was worth more than the short term, uh, humiliation that I dealt with. Uh, it, it gave me thick skin and I'll be honest, probably 95% of the time, uh, it, it did not lead to, uh, them joining my business, but each and every time I got more and more comfortable communicating with total strangers. And then uh, one of my friends, he told me, he said, why don't you, I think he, he, he heard a quote from Aristotle Onassis. He said, find the most luxurious hotel in any city and you go sit at the bar. Cause they asked him, what would he do if he lost all of his wealth? And he only had just a few dollars left. They asked him, you know, what would he do? And he said, well, I wouldn't, he said, I wouldn't go to a cheap cafe and spend the rest of my money on a, on a sandwich or an, and a coffee. He said, I would find the most luxurious hotel and I would go sit at the bar and buy a cup of coffee. And he said, because of the type of people, the caliber of people that congregated at those type of venues, he said he knew it was only a matter of time where he would make the right connections. And then he would, you know, within a short period of time, be able to accumulate all of his wealth again. And that's sort of what happened for me in network marketing. You know, uh, my biggest success came from me connecting with people that I did not have a relationship with prior to me joining that profession. It, it did not come from, you know, 
uh, an ambitious family member who I was able to recruit or an ambitious friend. You know, I played sports for many years. It didn't come from, it was never someone that I knew uh, from the past. And, uh, you know, even, you know, how you and I got introduced to each other, uh, Sean, you know, it, it, the biggest victories in my life came from me connecting with other people. And it had nothing to do with, honestly, you know, a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't sell yourself short, but I'll sell myself short and say that I can't think of any skill set that I've brought to the table other than my ability of making connections with other people. Uh, I, I never, I was never the guy that had the best and brightest idea. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I was never the, I was never the sharpest kid in class. I sure wasn't the dullest, but I was never the sharpest kid in class. And so network marketing provided uh, that training ground for me. Uh, I guess you could call it character development. You know, uh, Chet Holmes, the great Chet Holmes talks about uh, your rejection armor and, you know, being involved in that industry helped you to build a strong rejection armor. You you come to the conclusion at some point that, you know, 95% of the people are saying no. They're saying no to the opportunity. They're not saying no to Kamar. It's not like they, yeah. they didn't even know you. So they're just not interested at that time in the opportunity that you had presented. What that does, it starts to build your rejection armor. It starts to get you comfortable with making incrementally more and more or bigger and bigger asks um, when in, in situations where you have the opportunity to do so. The other thing that I love is this idea of relational capital. Um, this is something that we talk about a lot. I guess if I had a hat with a saying on it, mine would say relational capitalist. Wow. One of the things I think that COVID did is, you know, we have this situation in our economy with inflation and you also have the devaluation of our currency, right? And so you, you, you have less buying power with your dollars. But one of the things that's interesting is relational capital tends to increase in value over time as long as you nurture it, right? And so you have done a fantastic job of one, creating phenomenal a rejection armor, but also learning the skills to amass tremendous relational capital. And yes, that is how you and I end up in this conversation. So let's transfer it to niche or die. You tell us about the birth of that um, as a business for you. Why? Because this is the actually the thing that you teach. How did that become your niche? Uh, well, first of all, you know, like I'm, I'm a movie buff. Right. And, you know, I, I love I grew up watching Die Hard and and uh, watching James Bond movies and, and, and it was always the titles, especially with the James Bond movies. You know, you, you hear that they're going to release a new movie in the next two to three years. And, you know, and then they, they tease you and they, they first you see the title of the movie uh, before you see anything else. And then, you know, months later, sometimes years later, they'll show a trailer. Well, Niche or Die sounded like a movie, you know, a James Bond movie mixed with, you know, uh, Bruce Willis Die Hard, honestly. And I just thought it was a cool concept. Um, I, I thought about it about a year ago. I, I didn't do anything with it up until maybe about uh, six or seven months ago where, you know, 
I was I was starting to focus on a on a particular niche. Uh, I wasn't calling it niche or die, but I was just basically you know consulting other entrepreneurs, helping them discover and dominate their niche. And the conversation you know just kept coming up. You know, like, man, I gotta I gotta come up with a cool name for this. Just be, you know, for no other reason than honestly, for no other reason than. I just wanted a cool name. I, I had this amazing product that I could I could offer people, uh, but I, I needed a cool name. I needed something cool to hook them with, and uh, and so yeah, niche or I made the connection, and uh, we 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 went full throttle. And you know the purpose of it is to is to help entrepreneurs, you know, with clarity, understanding that you know for many years. Uh, I thought that when you choose a small segment of people uh, to target your message to, 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 uh, to market to, that means that you automatically say no to everyone else. And I thought that that meant leaving opportunity on the table. And I didn't like that feeling. You know, I grew up in a single parent home and we didn't leave, you know, when it was dinner time. You know, you ate all of your food. There was no such thing as, you know, I'm going to put this part away and come back to it later. And honestly, that that transpired into every other aspect of my life. I didn't like the idea of turning opportunities down, um, you know, and it, it, I'll be honest, it, it probably came from um, a, a scarcity, having a scarcity mentality, because, again, just growing up, you know, uh, resources were limited. And, you know, the, the mindset was, you know, you get all you can, you know, get as much as you can now because there may not be another opportunity. And I realized that that hurt me uh, in my career. And so as I gained more clarity, my business start picking up when I when I start specifically helping entrepreneurs discover their niche and helping them go out into the market and test their theory. And coming back and, and, and analyzing the feedback, because ultimately, again, we have we, we all sit in a room and we think about great ideas and things that we want to change the world with. But what only matters is if if the market thinks that it's necessary, you know, if the market has that need or that desire, uh, if the market doesn't have that pain point, then, you know, we don't really have a we don't it. We don't really have a business if we can't help anyone, if no one else uh, agrees with us that that's a problem. And then the second thing is, you know, the market has to agree on what we're charging. And so because a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time choosing a segment, uh, a niche, their marketing is all over the place. You know, this week, their, their market, their marketing method is. You know, hey, we're going to we're going to reach out and we're going to help realtors, you know, get more listings. And then next week they're, you know, hey, we're going to help, you know, uh, we're going to help, you know, entrepreneurs start a trucking business. And then the week after that, it's something else. And so it confuses the it confuses the audience. And then what happens is you don't you don't build a deep understanding of a particular segment. But once you once you actually say, you know what, I am going to work specifically with realtors who live in Atlanta, Georgia, who are under the age of 40. 
And a matter of fact, all of them are females. Well, that's a very specific niche. That's very specific. Now, now you're able to communicate with that particular audience in a, in a, on an intimate level. You know, you should be able to write uh, a day in their diary because you know the challenges that they have, you know the struggles, you know what they're coming up against, you know most of their desires. Uh, you'll, you'll find commonalities um, across, you know, across that pool of, of, of candidates or prospects. And so when you create your marketing pitch or your, or your, your message, you're able to speak directly to them. They hear you and then they respond. But when you create a message that's intended for everyone, it reaches no one. And, you know, you, you, you it, it will lead you to believe that what you're providing, there's something wrong with it. Where the truth is, it really, it's, it's nothing wrong with what you're providing. It's just that you're, 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 you're a generalist. And you and I spoke about that, you know, when we first talked, you know, you're far from a generalist, you know, uh, you went into the medical field, but you have, a, you, you specialize. And, you know, to be honest with you, when you specialize, you know, people who specialize, they make the most money, they have the most fun, uh, and they have a little bit of extra time to golf uh, <laughs> when when the opportunity provides themselves. Whereas people who are generalists, they work hard uh, most of the times. Uh, they work four or five times harder. They they make a fraction of, of the money, and many times they don't have fun. They they actually hate what it is that they do. Uh, and so I, I just thought it was a way to 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 win on all levels by narrowing down that target audience. And when I did that for myself, uh, my business exploded. And so now I wanted to be able to help other entrepreneurs uh, do the same. Yeah. And so if somebody goes to nicheordie.com, www.nicheordie.com, what you've done is as a service to people who might hear what you're saying, actually intellectually understand it. And so, you know, how can you argue with that? But then also maybe emotionally are like, yeah, but, you know, we, we fall back into our old ways. You have put together a tremendous resource. You have begun this process of interviewing people to help anybody who wants to understand this concept and apply it in their business. They can go to www nicheordie.com and what will they find there you have access to this interview series what are they going to find inside when they join absolutely so once once they uh once they go to the website and they get access to the interviews what they're going to find is i've interviewed you know some of the world's best and brightest business minds uh people featured in forbes bloomberg inc magazine and i went out and i recruited them all uh, I recruited them to come together to do video interviews to show up and coming entrepreneurs, existing entrepreneurs uh, or, or people who haven't even thought about becoming an entrepreneur yet and showing them the power of what's possible when you choose a niche. You know, everyone that's a part of this interview series, they chose a niche, whether it was intentional or unintentional, uh, but they're at the top of their class in their space. And so the series is designed again to, to, to show people examples, real life examples 
of people who actually was able to accomplish more by doing less. And I'm not, and when I say less, I, I don't mean, you know, taking a shortcut or, or, uh, or, or not doing a, a good job. What I'm, what I'm saying is focus. You know, uh, focus. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's a level of focus, you know, you know, Michael Phelps, I, I heard a guy say this, I, I can't take credit for it, but he said, Michael Phelps, number one job was to wake up and get in the pool. That's it. It, it makes, it makes life easier when you know exactly what it is that you're going to do and uh, you're able to create, you know, great results. Maybe we're not, maybe we might not be Olympic, you know, gold medalists, but uh, you know, we can arrive at that own, you know, at our own version of what that looks like in our lives. So amongst the people that you've interviewed, what was the most compelling piece of advice that you heard someone give? Man, that's a good one. I would say, there's two that come to mind, but I, I will say it really comes down to, and it sounds so cliche-ish and I, and what I'm about to say, I probably wouldn't have wanted to hear it if I was a viewer, but it's the truth is you really have to be passionate about what it is that you're doing. And the reason I say passionate is because it is hard. It's very hard. Um, but because you're, you're passionate about it, uh, you're more committed to the result that can come out of that situation where it's changing someone's life or, or, or it's changing, changing the world or maybe just your community. You know, whatever it is that, that you desire, being passionate about it will, will allow you to survive those tough times. And, and it's not a matter of if you're going to have uh, tough times. It's it's when you're going to have tough times. It's inevitable. So that was the number one piece of advice. Again, I, I I feel crazy saying that because that is that is not the advice because that's not a strategy. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we look for you know what's the strategy, what's the secret to achieving you know dramatic success, and it's passion. It's, it's literally being passionate. Now, the other part, and I said there were two, that was the most profound thing that I heard. No, it was not the first time I'd ever heard someone say that. But for some reason, it, it clicked. Uh, it clicked with me this time. Like literally, you know, think about being a kid. You know, imagine being a child and you're hanging out on the playground and you're, and you're playing all day and your parents are having to call you. Uh, to come inside multiple times, come on in, you know, it's getting dark. Uh, imagine getting, being compensated for just having fun on the playground. And, and that's, that's the example that I was given, you know, because other opportunities will come that will allow you to expand. And um, one of the gentlemen that I was talking to, that's, that's exactly what he said. He said he started with just passion. Of course, he had some raw talents and abilities, um, you know, but whatever, wherever you lack in talent and ability, you can recruit for it. And that was the second piece of advice that I got is whatever you lack in skill, talent or ability, you can recruit for it. And so that where that's why it goes back to the number one lesson that I got from my experience in network marketing was my ability to recruit it because I was limited in my abilities and my talent, resources in so many ways, 
It forced me because we all, especially us guys, you know, we have an ego. You know, I, I'll raise my hand. There, there's a little bit that exists. And we want to do it. We want to do everything on our own. And, you know, the reality is we're stronger uh, when we're able to, to lock arms with other people. And again, wherever you, whatever you lack in skills, experience, resources, you know, if you're passionate about your mission and you can convey it in a way to where it invites other people and it inspires them to get involved in that mission, uh, man, there, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. What is the, well, I don't know how to frame this properly, but I'm going to use the word craziest. Obviously, it's not the craziest, but I mean, I guess unique. The, what is the most unique niche that you have come across that somebody had like they had niched down so far down that you maybe even you thought like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know what, how many people exist in the world that you could possibly help. So so what's funny is I actually I actually um, I actually had a client that that sold. Uh, this is this this is crazy. All right, uh, I had a client that sold uh, Chow and German Shepherd mixed puppies. Hmm. Crazy, right? Yes. I mean, who 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 goes online and search for you know a Chow and German Shepherd mixed puppy, right? But. That was and that and that wasn't. I can't take credit for that because I didn't. I didn't come up with that idea. That that's just something, you know. That's just something he was already doing, and but what what he was he was ashamed of that. Uh, and so I showed him the opportunity that lies in that, and we went to market. And guess what? You know, uh, he got some feedback. People, you know, the dog. You know, I would have to show you a picture, but. There's a, the dog has a certain look, you know, they're not as big as a German shepherd uh, and they're not as furry as a, as a, as a chow. Uh, it's literally in between, right? Mm-hmm. The best of both worlds. And, and they make some pretty, uh, some pretty mean, mean dogs. Um, but that's, that's, that's the wildest thing, you know, um, that's, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and so, I, I, I laugh about it because, you know, uh, I probably laughed when he initially said that that's what he was doing. So, <laughs> well, I have two um, that I've seen, um, not firsthand. These are uh, told to me by others, um, but they were coming to me and saying, Sean, have you have you ever heard of this? Well, the first one was, have you ever heard of this? Um, there was a, a person that was um, growing rats um, so they were in real estate and they were renting these homes, but they, one of the conditions is they would, uh, they had these like cages, they were like wooden cages up. They weren't like on the ground and they were growing rats in these cages because they would sell them, um, to people that owned snakes. And that, wow. like, apparently this is a big business. Um, and you'd have to have a tenant that would be agreeable to you having this in your yard. The other though was I had a friend that was in the financial industry and he told me that um, someone that he had graduated school with or that he heard about um, recent grads. So they just graduated and they had said, and I think this frequently happens where they had you know announced to their friends like, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm only going to uh, service people that have a net worth of $1 billion or more. 
And his classmates were like, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, and this is the classic thing that that you talk about. And um, over the course of a year, um, he had no clients. And in fact, his classmates came to learn that in that year, I think somebody had come along and they had like $200 million in net worth. And they wanted to actually have a discussion about working with him. And he had said, no, you know, I only work with people that have a billion dollars or more net worth. Well, at the end of the first full year after graduating, this this individual had zero clients. They had no clients. And his classmates, some of them had gone into certain firms and they were working and building their own business, their book of business. So they were making some money in his, you know, this guy made no money. He had no clients. He had been in business for a year. He had zero clients. At the end of the second year, though, he had one client. He only had one client at the end of two years, but the one client did have a net worth of a billion dollars or more. He then was making more money from his one client than most of his classmates were making with, you know, hundreds of their other clients that they were working out their 401ks or whatever they were doing. And that is a great lesson. And you had mentioned that, that the people that are hyper niche down, they are able to command a higher fee because they service a very specific population in a very specific way. Now, of course, you can't service a billionaire with generalized knowledge, but yeah. you know these that's a, a very specific uh, niche that I have seen. And so, yeah, hopefully people will take this to heart. I want to encourage everybody to visit www.nicheordie.com. It's free to sign up for the interview series. You're going to see all these amazing people. I believe they drop into your inbox one a day. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, you can't. You get. You get Kamar every single day until you tap out, and then uh, you're not going to tap out. You're going to until you niche, until you figure out what your niche is. Kamar is dedicated to providing you with massive value to help you to determine what that is, to get rid of that noise in your head telling you not to do it and develop a business model that is very specific to the people that you want to serve. The last thing that I'll say too, it's very important that we work with people with whom we do our best work. You know, Michael Port in Book Yourself Solid talks about this in Ideal Client. You want to be surrounded by people with whom you do your absolute best work. Well, that's niche. You need to determine who are the people that bring you joy. You know those clients that you're working with them and time just flies by just like it did today with Kamar. You're like, wow, I just lost myself in the conversation. I can't believe that I even get paid to do this. Why not just create an entire business around those people? Bring more of them into your life and into your business. I promise you that you will be well, well fulfilled in life. Kamar, thank you so much for joining us here on None of Your Business. You've been a fantastic guest. Absolutely, man. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate you having me. I look forward to uh, continuing our relationship and finding points of intersection, ways that we can collaborate. This is a very special purpose and mission that you're on. We've got to help people to not just try and serve all people by being all things to all people. Your gifts are in a very specific area, nicheordie.com. Check him out. I'm sure you're going to love it. That's all we have for you today on this episode of None of Your Business. But as always, we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode. And I'm going to see if I can convince Lacey to join me then.